Okay, so um, how many of you, um, off the top of your head, could tell me what God was doing or just the pattern of Genesis 1? Do you know that story at all? Um, that God hovered over the earth and it was formless and void or without shape and empty. And so the next parts of the days of creation that they go through, God begins to, to give the earth shape. And then once he's given it shape, then he starts to fill it. And then he rests. It's a three-step step. St- three-step sort of movement in there of the shaping, filling, and resting in that work. I, wanna, I want to call that to attention today because Psalm 8 has often been called Genesis 1 in song. And so let me read that to you. I should be on the correct page. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. We sang something like that. It's the beginning of this this morning. Those whose glory above the heaven is chanted by the thou whose glory above the heaven is chanted by the mouths of babes and infants. Thou hast found a bulwark amongst thy foes or or bulwark is kind of an interesting translation there. It's the the chanting of the children has confused or confounded the wise established a bulwark another way of saying that same thing to still the enemy and the avenger when i look to thy heavens the work of thy fingers the moon the stars which thou hast established what is man that thou art mindful of him or what is what what are humans that you aren't mindful of them and the son of man that thou hast care for him Yet thou hast made him a little less than God and dost crown him with glory and honor. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands. This is an older translation. I want you to remember that we, that uh, when this was written, they didn't do the he and her or him and them stuff. They just assumed everybody would just obviously say, oh, that's all human beings when it says that. Thou hast given them dominion over the works of thy hands and put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, also the beasts of the field, the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. I want you to know that that both here and in the Genesis Genesis 1 account, right in the middle of the forming and the filling, God puts man right in the middle. So right here, right in the middle of between the heavens and the earth, God puts, puts human beings. And I want you to know I'm aware, specifically aware, that human beings haven't done a very good job of being that mediator of God's presence in the world in the middle Mainly because, as I, as I want to talk to you today, we haven't stayed there. So when you hear people talk today in our modern world that, that, that humans are just like the animals and there's no ethical difference between them and all that, I want you to know that theologically, I think they're right if we have forgotten and left the position 
that God has put us in to mediate his presence to the world. Because that's what he's done. The problem is, is that when we leave that spot between heaven and earth as God's mediator, we don't, we, we have struggled to live amongst the heavens, don't we? I mean, you don't, you don't go out there to Venus every third day just to visit. We have to live on earth. And once we live on earth, we are just like the beasts of the field in lots of ways if we are not God's presence bearer everywhere we go. So I want to say this, that that position in the middle, that little fulcrum point, if we will, um, is about, it presumes right relationships between us and God, between us and ourselves, between us and each other, and us and the world that we live in. I find it interesting last week's, how many of you heard Ken speak last week? Ken was talking last week about how important it was to treat other people well, wasn't he? That's exactly what I was doing at the, about the same time last week was talking on the same subject, how important it is. I'm going to give you just a little piece of that because I have a bugaboo and I want to get into this right relationship thing a little bit. I have a bugaboo. I have a lot of people that come and have theological strenuous discussions with me about somebody else's faith not being right and about the things they hold and the beliefs they hold that's not right that's blasphemy i even hear blasphemy every so often in these discussions i know it's not a new word but it does it does get your attention right that belief is wrong and then they go around treating people badly if you want blasphemy in in what I understand it to be, is you go ahead and you treat God's image badly. That's blasphemy. Now let me fill out just a little bit about what blasphemy is or what treating God's image is. Is our world is full of human beings who God says he created in his image. Now I understand that in some of them, that image is really hard to see. The problem with that, though, is that we love the image of our God because Jesus, the very image of God, is somebody that we've come to know and love. So we begin to love what he loves. Where he goes, we'll go. Where, what he loves, we'll love. That's the point of the Ruth text. That we begin to love the image of our God. And so if you want blasphemy, in my point, is treating your servers at the... At, at the restaurants badly. And, and, and my personal weakness is driving patiently. <laughs> Not wrong belief. I think that God gives us considerable leeway in the development of our faith. And I use this example in the first service. I'll use it here. Some of you have heard me this. This is what I've learned about developing faith statements from my son, the chemistry major. So when you go to chemistry classes at college in Chemistry 101, they say, this is the way it is. And you have to do it that way, and you get a good grade, right? That's the way class is in your first year of college. Well, when you're a Chemistry 201 student, they say, all that stuff we told you last year, that's not right. This is the way it is. And if you take that into you and you do it well, you'll get a good grade. And in chemistry 301, they say, 
You know that stuff we told you last year? That's not the way it is. This is how it is. And if you take that in. Well, Alex is up, up in the six seven hundreds, and so you know that he's had his chemistry understanding rejected several times. But Chemistry 101 is a nice starting spot. You need that foundation for understanding in order to do the Chemistry 201 understanding. And so what I say about this in our faith development is in the beginning, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so, is really good belief, but it needs some filling out somewhere along the line, doesn't it? It's not a complete theology of what we're doing here on earth. And as you move in there, you start to get other understandings and you know that Jesus loves you, but it's not the whole story. Jesus loves me. Yeah, what'd he do? Well, you know, I just know he loves me. No, he did something really specific. He came to earth. He, he became incarnate, incarnate. He gave shape to God in the shaping And then he filled out our understanding of who God is by dying on the cross, cleansing us from all iniquity. And then he rests in us now that we've been cleansed. Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so, is a good belief system, but it's not complete. But you need it to get on to the next step. And, and you need that stuff to get on to the next step. And God is really, really patient with us with developing belief systems. He knows we'll get there soon enough. Now, some of us will get a really good picture of him the second we see him and we'll become like him. That would be like the chemistry 8,000 statement. Because we take all these steps between here and there. I'm taking those steps too, and I'm at a different spot in the, in, if you will, than you, maybe behind you in some areas and in head, ahead of you in other areas. But I want, so when people come to me and they have this strenuous discussion about what blasphemy is, and it's based on, on what they think instead of what they do, I kind of come back to this spot where God assumes humanity in the beginning, would have right relationship when he puts them in the middle as the mediator of his presence. But we do something wrong. We break relationships. And I'll tell you that we do this with sin. And you've heard my technical definition of sin. This is the three types, right? That I do sin and I get it on me and you. And then you do stuff and you get it on you and me. And then there's the stuff we all walk around in that you can't pin it on anybody. But we all get dirty. We all get messed up. But sin always breaks relationships. That's what it does. So when Adam and Eve grab for the, tree of no, the, the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, they say, we don't want God to be the judge. We don't trust him. We want to be the judge. Our desire to be center is much more important than our relationship. What's going on? There's a critter? Is it a spider? I hate to tell you this, you're never more than three feet from a spider. That's how many of them there are. (laughs) 
I'm, I'm getting faces from some of the ladies now. I don't want to be three feet from a spider. <laughs> yes, you do. Because they take care of the other things you're never more than three feet away from. Okay, so we get back to this right relatedness. Let me come back to this. That sin always breaks relationship. One of the examples I've used in, the, in, in side conversations is when you go into a grocery store and you steal a candy bar as a little kid, you've decided that your desire for that candy bar is more important than a good relationship with the people that own the store. It's almost the same thing as just grabbing the fruit. Now, not all sin breaks the relationships in ways that we can see it. Sometimes it takes a, takes a, they just pile up on top of each other and pretty soon you get this, the one that breaks the camel's back, right? And you go, you're always doing that, you always... And the relationship is broken because it had these little sins in it that just kind of eroded away the patience of the other. But sin always breaks relationship. Righteousness then, or right relatedness, God's righteousness it can be understood as part of, part of this is that he's always ready to be in right relationship with us. The cross then covers or steps across that boundary for us and saying, I know what's happened. I want to be in right relationship with you. This is getting in the way and I'm going get, to get rid of it. That's what the cross does with sin in our lives. It gets us ready to be in right relationship with God. Now, there's more to right relationships than just being in right relationships with God. If I do something to you and I break that relationship with you, you're God's. Did you know that? You are God's person. He made you you're his. And so when I break a relationship with you, I'm also breaking one with him because I haven't taken his people seriously. Whether they know whether they're God's people or not, he doesn't not love them yet. You know, they just don't know it. So here's the thing. We need to live in right relationships. We need to start doing this. But and that puts us in that middle spot where we can mediate God's presence into the world, where we can be a blessing to both each other, God, and the environment that we live in. I use this example in the first sec- First thing, it's actually good and honoring and worshipful to God to design a system like a car that burns less, less fuel than the others and is better for the environment. That's a way of of honoring God and and trying to get into better relationship. I'm just not so sure. So as you remember this, maybe you don't know this or not, but when you build all the batteries for the hybrids, it takes a certain amount of time for the amount of damage done to the environment to build those batteries to be made up. And so it takes about the payback time for the, for the, for the economy is about 90,000 miles on a hybrid to make up for the battery problems because they do strip mining in China for that stuff. It's sort of like how green are fluorescent light bulbs. They're really good, right? They're cheap. They don't use much electricity, but they come with mercury inside them. And every one of them has enough mercury to foul a lake. That's pretty green, isn't it? See, we 
but we've abdicated our spot in the order of creation by not having a right relationship with God. So now I'm talking about the real life effects of what blasphemy really is. That when we break our relationship with God, then we start breaking our relationship with each other and and the world. We become, if you will, the beasts of the earth with no difference. We just do what we do and we don't notice any consequences. It's kind of like in Daniel 7 when the kingdoms of the earth are called beasts themselves. Here. Here's this. I want you to just hear the imagery about what the human kingdoms are described as. Just listen to it in that way. The first was like a lion and it had eagle's wings and I watched till its wings were plucked off. And it was lifted up from the earth and made there to stand on two feet like a man and a man's heart was given to it. That's, that's kind of an ew, Right? Did you hear that? It's, it's like an eagle, but it, it had its wings plucked off and then it was given a different heart. And suddenly another beast, a second like, like a bear, it was raised up on one side and it had three ribs in its mouth between its teeth and they had said thus to it, Arise and devour much flesh. Huh. That's not very pretty either, is it? And after this, I looked and there was another like a leopard and it had on its back four wings of a bird and the beast also had four heads and dominion was given to it. Boy, you want to be around when that beast comes to power, don't you? And after this, I saw in the night visions and beheld a fourth beast, dreadful and terrible and exceedingly strong. It had huge iron teeth and it was devouring and breaking in pieces and trampling the residue with its feet. That's what humans are like when we're not in our correct place in the order, which is as God's people mediating in the world. Now, we've abdicated that when we sin and we break relationships. But how do we get it back? I want you to know that it's possible because if we go to Revelation 13, where the beastly kingdoms are being discussed again, there's this spot at the end of it, and it says that anyone marked for prison goes straight to prison. Anyone pulling a sword goes down by the sword. Meanwhile, God's holy people passionately and faithfully stand their ground. It's possible to stand where God asks you to stand. It's possible to be a mediator of his presence in the world. It's possible for us to stand in right relationships with each other, with God and our world. But how do we do it? Here's the little thing. If we're, if we're not, as, as we look at the psalm, it's really interesting that at the beginning and the end is, oh, God, oh, oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. And then the next thing is that God inhabits the praise of the kids or the children or the young and that confounds the wise. And there's a matching statement on the bottom about that and it works in the middle. And the whole question of the song is, who is man? Who will you be? You were made just a little lower than God to fill this spot, to be the mediator of his presence, love, and kingdom in the world. But you've decided not to do that. Again, I say this. 
you, you, you and me, we struggle to live in the heavens. We have to live on earth, so we become beasts. We, we get our world confounded by the praise of children and things we don't understand. We become sort of like a dog chasing its tail around, confused and bothered. But this is what happens at the cross when we're recreated, that Jesus comes on earth to show us what God's like and then to do the actions of God, which is to set relationships correct. But the cross is not the end of the Christian story. It is not. I know that Christianity and, and, and all sorts of theologians often just stop at the cross. You're forgiven. You're reset. You're clean. And then just wait for heaven. It's coming. But the problem is, is that I know that the same is for you, is that if I thought that was real, I've been hanging around a while afterwards and kind of wondering what my job was. But Jesus did this, and I, and I want you to know, I'm going to do something a little technical here just so you know. Um, when you read Matthew, Mark, and Luke, at the end of the book, Jesus cleanses the temple and that's when the opposition says, we're going to kill him. Okay? You just trust me on that. John, the Gospel of John writer, when he writes his, he presumes, he supposes that you know the story of Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Or at least Mark. When Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, that's the spot where they decide to kill him in the Gospel of John. You're supposed to equate the raising of Lazarus with the cleansing of the temple from the other Gospels. You're supposed to. But Jesus tells a story about a human being who, be, who has a demon and he cleanses it and he said, now go fill that with good stuff or the demon will come back with seven worse than itself and take possession. That's what the cross does. When you come to the cross and you accept the work of God, he cleanses you so that you can be the temple of God, the place where his presence dwells. It must be clean. It has to be clean. A temple before God can come in. Even if you were a pagan, you would know that, that if you were building a temple, you have got to cleanse it and get it ready for the presence of the God. But what is the presence of the God mean in us? That we can now be the mediator of his presence. So he came, he cleanses, and he fills. He rests in us. He fills us so that we can be the people of his pasture, of his calling, that we can be the ones that set relationships right in the world not just between him and us, and not just between us and others, but also in the world that we live. Now, I know that's a lot to sort of take in, but, I, but if you come out of here today and you go, you know, that being saved and justified, justified at the cross is not the end of the story, that then there's a life to live and a position to fill in Christ. Yes. I could be happy with that. So let me read this psalm again and we'll just go through this and then I'll close in prayer.
O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Your glory, you whose glory above the heavens is chanted by the mouths of babes and infants, thou hast founded a bulwark because of thy foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look to the heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast established, what is human? What is a human that you are mindful of them and the children of people that, thou, that you care for them? Yet you have made them a little less than God and dost crown them with the glory and honor. You have given them dominion over the works of thy hands. Remember, in order to exercise dominion properly, we have to be in right relationship and mediate the presence of God to the world. Thou have given him dominion over the works of your hands. You have given, put all things under their feet, all the sheep and oxen and the beasts of the field. That means we're not supposed to be the beasts to be the shepherd the birds of the air and the fish of the sea whatever passes along the paths of the sea O Lord our Lord how majestic is thy name in all the earth as people of his pasture of people that he indwells and causes us to be who we were originally intent to be intended to be O Lord our Lord How majestic is your name in all the earth. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I thank you for today. I thank you for each and every one here. I thank you for everybody that we're going to come into contact today that will begin to think what it it means to be Christ's mediator or God's mediator of his presence to them. May we always be your people. And take the position you've given us seriously. In your precious name, Lord.